Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. We're doing it on early afternoon on Wednesday. Uh, sorry for the delay in the posting this week. It's because I was traveling on Tuesday um, for an interesting project that I'll be talking to you about pretty soon. Um, but joining us uh, from Oakland, California is Anscapes, Mark J. Spears. Hi, Mark. How are you? What's happening, man? We got, we got the uh, color coordinated this week. <laughs> I know you got the, is that a San Jose State uh, uh, shirt you got there? Yeah, there you we go. just whooped up on Fresno, our so-called rival. So I decided <laughs> to wear this in, in tribute to that victory. Nice. Well, you were in San Francisco last night, uh, Tuesday night, for Steph Curry's return. Um, it was a surprising game. I'm going to wait and hear what you have to say about it. Um, I was jet lagged AF. So I was totally yeah. out last night by, uh, by nine o'clock central. I watched the first half of Donovan Mitchell going back to Utah and then I passed out. So I, I caught up with it this morning, but, um, and I'll tell you what I thought about it. I didn't see it in real time, but I, I yeah. you were at the game. So I want to hear, uh, the Suns with a stunning win. Um, yeah. but I want to hear what you thought about it. You no, know, it was interesting before the game. I mean, Monty Will, uh, Williams looked like he was like down and out. <laughs> like he'd already and, lost. And, yeah. and ready to get like beat up like the scene in Christmas story, you know, like it was like he looked like he was bracing for something. But like I asked him, I'm like, do you relish in these kind of opportunities to coach uh, against a team that, you know, you, 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 you try to figure out this puzzle with not all the greatest pieces. And he actually said he did. And I, I, I always remember that George Carl. To me, he always coaches best games when I covered the Nuggets when he was undermanned. And it's almost like before I, you know, you know, a Freudian slip, I saw it coming before it coming, you know. Um, I am very confused by the Warriors. Like, we beat up the young guys on their team so much for their struggles, for their poor start, for their defense. And, like, you got to beat up the vets. Like they just didn't come to play. Uh, I think Clay said it best. Like they kind of relaxed with Wiggins back, with Steph back, you know. And and I think the assumption was with these guys back, it would just like be rolling. Um, but when Steph was healthy, they were struggling too. And I, I I'm gonna give them a pass right now for a moment. And they've had this really bad three game streak at home right um they haven't played good basketball late with or without stuff because they just have so many new pieces that have to get reunited you know not only is wiggins back and steph back but andre Iguodala is back too for a little Maybe. while he was yeah so he got thrown out of the yeah, game exactly well there's that um and did show some spryness which it was impressed me he had a nice one-handed put back dunk and i'm like okay he still got his legs um but like there's that there's no excuse for that like no book no cp no eight no cam johnson no campaign like that's that's embarrassing man at, at home, home. Yeah. where they they've actually been amazing and you know they're they're about to go on the road soon and um they're lucky that the Western conference has not been outstanding. Nobody, everybody in the Western conference, other than I guess Denver, maybe Memphis 
hasn't hasn't taken off. So they've actually had basically an ability to still stay in the pack. But I mean, the way they're playing, this team is starting to look more and more like a play in team and not a playoff team. And um uh they 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 need some size too. Um they're small teams are taking advantage of them on the boards and I'm just I I will say that I am concerned about this team now, especially defensively. They're just poor and um We'll see if they turn it around. Yeah, Dario Saric really had one of his best games of the year on them. He was in the like, starting yeah, lineup. Like, that was his like return game, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's been playing, but not well. Yeah. And you know, you, you know, without Aiden, you would have thought kind of advantage Warriors. And yeah. Saric like was the best big man in the game. Um, that wasn't a good sign. <laughs> wasn't a good yeah. sign. And he hasn't been able to say that for. Since he got hurt, no, he's probably been, even before he, then. Right. Yeah, I mean, he was when he got hurt. You know, he got hurt in the finals. He tore his ACL in the finals against Milwaukee. I think it was in the finals. Maybe it was a series before, but you know, the the Suns have a lot of laments from that finals. You remember they were up two zero, um, and they you know Giannis just kept getting stronger and stronger. But one of the laments that they have is if you know if they had Sarge, things would have been different, etc. Um, but so Steph was on a minute restriction, which he said after the game affected him because he felt like he, when he was in those bursts early that he was pressing, but then he had 16 in the fourth quarter, didn't have a good shooting night, but it's 16 in the fourth quarter. Um, And he took a lot of late shots, just trying to like play hero ball to come back, uh, because they, they they were close, not close enough, but they needed some heroics in the end to try to try to get that win. So some of his shooting numbers in the at the end of the fourth were kind of skewed by that, probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't obviously gamble on the NBA. It's not something that's appropriate really in our profession, I don't think. Um uh but this year, like there's so many of these games that look like they are settled and then there's these mad scramble i mean it's kind of the nature of nba basketball but it's been especially true this year so the warriors were down 27 in this game and this is not really relevant to what we were taking away from it but they got it all the way down to like six maybe yeah (laughs) i mean yeah like that's that's crazy i mean i gotta imagine i don't know how much money was wagered on this game but i gotta imagine that a lot of the bets were losers because you couldn't have figured out how this came. Um, you know, even like the in-game betting, the vast yeah. swings that we see, uh, is just a reminder why this game was a reminder of why like betting on the NBA is you got to have an iron stomach to, to figure that obviously people are successful. I see people who publish their, like, um, their, their bets, uh, on social media and they, um, a lot of times, sometimes they'll like guys who are sort of more, professionals at it will select individual bets like certain players or whatever but uh, you know you got to have an iron stomach <laughs> brian uh, I, I, I rem- correct me if i don't or stop me if if you don't think i should say this but i always remember talking to chauncey billups about and you you were there 2007 Pistons were supposed to be in the finals, right? Yeah. And 
they just like ran out of gas just ran out of gas and i and i've asked chauncey about like that because when when chauncey talks about the finals he always talks about how they should have won in 2004 and but i i feel like he has ptsd about 2000 they won in 2004 2005 yeah. probably I mean, 2005 they lost i'm sorry yeah but he has ptsd i think about 2007 like he doesn't talk about 2007 at all because they were the favorite. They were the better team, right? Supposedly I think they had they, four all-stars that year. Yeah. If I they, remember. They had, yeah. uh, there was a young LeBron James who canceled those plans. Um, but I, when I asked him about that later that summer, I said, how did you guys lose? He said, Spears, we're just tired, man. This is like seven, five straight years of going to Eastern Conference Finals. We're just tired. And I wonder if maybe it's just too early to say, but I'm watching this, I'm wondering if the, the Warriors are just tired. For them to have won a championship, and I know they've had some, some injuries and stuff's been out, but for their record to be like under 500 at, that, at the halfway part, they're 20 and 21 at the halfway point, man. I, I, I wouldn't have projected that. And I, I remember Del Curry telling me, he's like, if you look at like playoff games, look at the amount of, he's like Steph and Clay and Draymond, and you know, we could add Iguodala, you could add Looney, like how many playoff games have they played in their career? Like they played it like an extra season. I just, I'm starting to, it's early, and but I'm keeping an eye on it. And I'm wondering if, cause like that Pistons team, there was a longevity, right? It was like five straight years of amazing. This Warriors team is like longer than that. And I'm just wondering if they're hitting the wall. If they're hitting the wall. It's I'm I'm not saying such is the case at the moment, but I'm watching it. Because when you see a loss like yesterday, like come on. You know what I mean? All right. Well, let me say two things about that. One, in 2019, before Durant tore his Achilles. I, I've branded this, what you're discussing, I've branded this organizational fatigue um, because it's not just actual physical fatigue, but the organization goes through like two or three years when you're contender and they trade away future picks and, you know, players want to get paid. And like, there's just this thing that happens. Like, I think it's like kind of four year windows, like, the Miami Heat had organizational fatigue at the end of the, 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 the you know, they, they could have kept the window going, but their, their organization was exhausted. The Cavs had organizational fatigue in 2018 at that end of that run of four years. And I was writing in 2019 about what I felt was the Warriors organizational fatigue. And I think I've told the story before, but before game five in Toronto, the night that Durant tore his Achilles, yeah. Bob Myers came up to me and I, he, I had written a piece about organizational fatigue. And he said to me, we feel it. He, he, he wasn't exactly agreeing with me. He's like, but he's, you know, he's, he was talking to me about, because at that case it had been three years of Durant and it was their fifth straight finals. And I, then they had organizational fatigue. And then the, 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 what he didn't know when he was talking to me about that was that he was losing Durant and clay in back-to-back -back games. Um, yeah. And so they kind of reset it because when they had those, those sort of gap years um, 
they were able to get some new blood into the organization. And, you know, with Wiggins and with those young guys, they come back last year with Jordan Poole and they're refreshed. And they kind of were hoping that 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 refresh extends the window. And it still could. Um, I kind of I'm going to walk away from this game last night saying two things. One, they do have 41 games left. Yeah, Yeah. 41 games are in and it's not been good. It has not been worthy of their title defense, but they do have 41 games left and Iguodala is back and Curry is back. And in theory, they have a menu of options going into the deadline. Although um, I really think that they love Wiseman organizationally too much to trade him, but. And, and you know what? Kaminga has been out too. Wiseman's out. Kaminga's out. Yeah. Kaminga was starting to really like play well in, I think he also impacts them defensively because you got like this long guy that they were like putting on Ja Morant. So just when Kaminga started making an impact off the bench, just when Wiseman's confidence was fine and he wasn't getting great minutes, but, you know, in a game like uh, the Suns game, maybe you have him on what Sarish and he does. Sarish doesn't do that. Right. And and I, I do think that they need to build some confidence for Wiseman for the postseason. Like collectively, I think they're better. And so they do have an open roster spot. Um, J- Jamichael Green's been hurt all year. Are they are they committed to keeping him on the roster? Maybe they do something with him. But like when you see a favor is going to Atlanta, like I, I think they could use another big. They could use another maybe swingman kind of vet. Um, I, I, Poole has to get adjusted to being off the bench. And, and I think that's been hard for him. But he he certainly has the opportunity to be an offensive star off the bench as well. Like this team is still capable of beating every anybody. Yeah. I, that, sure. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say I am going to. You are. I, I wouldn't. You're a Warriors concernist. I wouldn't say you're a pessimist based on what yeah. you said here. I'd say you're a Warriors concernist, and I think that's fair, especially the road yeah. record. It doesn't. Yeah. I am going to go ahead and you know, not like this is a hard position to take. I'm going to be a Warriors optimist. Okay. I'm going to say that Clay has actually played much better over the. Yeah. Le- you know, as bad as he was. I mean, he's had some signs. I think he's trending. I don't think this is a hot take. He's trending in the right direction. Steph is back. I think Jordan Poole is trending in the right direction after his rough start, after, you know, whatever that preseason affected him, however it did. Um, I think he's trending in the right direction. Um, They have Iguodala. Not that Iguodala is going to be a major minutes guy, but I think he helps. I mean, you know, this is a team that was relying significantly on two-way players for a bunch of the season. I think yeah. if Iguodala can help them one out of every three games, I think it, he's it's just helpful. A, he, he's a vet amongst all those that youth on the bench now that they could put in. And so I think things are in a pinch. They need to settle down. You always know that he could come in and make the right play. And based on that dunk that I mentioned, it's not like um, he's digressed physically. I mean, that showed me that he could still – athletically play on this level yeah i mean i i think wiseman has maybe baby step just a little bit forward you, but he gotta get on the floor pod, man he has like i know i know like if you listen he has to, to be pod, on the floor he just 
I am mesmerized by his athletic ability, and literally, you could present a mountain of evidence but as I'll to why this, it's not Brian, working. This is what's going to be quite interesting. All right, so they played on Tuesday. The Warriors lose, right? They've lost three in a row to the Pistons, the Magic, and the under yeah. underserved Suns, right? Awful. It's awful. So this road trip coming up, they're going to San Antonio, but there's three days to play with between games or two days. They get to, uh, probably a break today, good practice Thursday. They're playing in the Alamo Dome in front of like yeah. 50,000 people on Friday. <laughs> yeah. I think that gets you up to play, right? Like that wakes them up right there. Then they got Chicago against the Bulls, tough. Wizards on MLK Day. They're going to Celtics. They're going to Cleveland. Like it's not getting any easier, man. It's it's, it's they got some. They got a okay. really really tough road trip, but this is a type of road trip that maybe could like flip things. Again, I see it as an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm like, I like uh, Joe Lacob was on Tim Kavakami's podcast recently, uh, you know, again, talking about Wiseman. And, and, and in the, in this case, he was talking about how it wasn't just him. Cause you know, there's been this perception that only Joe Lacob wanted Wiseman, you know, that it's, you know, and he, he sounded like he was trying to, you know, spread the blame around. He's like, Oh, everybody wanted Wiseman. Like I get it, you know. Um, I still think that there's, it's in there. That's why if they yeah. really made him available, they'd have real offers because other people would believe that too. Uh, Aiden, I think Aiden he's, has his, had his struggles his first two seasons, first couple seasons, right? And he didn't have the. Well, I mean, Aiden season. was instantaneously a productive player, though. I mean, yeah, but, yeah, that's true. But um, so he had some other issues that he's gotten over. Yeah, I, I, ju- I, you know, the other thing is, as you mentioned, like. Who in front of them are they like waking up every day playing like, oh man, when we're at our best, we can't beat them. Yeah. Nobody. I mean, you know, like I think the Clippers are, you know, are a team of potential, but they've never proven they can do it. So like, if you want to look to me and say, how can you possibly believe in the Clippers? They've never done it. I'd be like, well, that's a good point. I really can't. Yeah. I can't argue with that, but the yeah. Warriors have done it. You know, they yeah. have, they've proven it. And even if you, if you look at, you know, okay. The, I mean, the Nuggets uh, are not a good defensive team. Yeah. Look, I don't if, think if they the whole the league is healthy. Are the Suns the only real in the West threat? I mean, the Suns this year started the season 15 and six, and then they're, their team has completely been in disarray yeah. with injury and they're in the middle of a sale. And they got, and um, they got to get, they got to do something with Jay Crowder. Something. They have to do something with Jay Crowder, but they're like right now, like the, I've talked about this. They're a hard team to negotiate a trade with in perfect conditions. Like, I, you know, for people who travel, um, I always talk about LaGuardia airport, LaGuardia airport, is is okay when there's no wind and there's no clouds it functions but then when there's a cloud we got problems my god if there's a drop precipitation the whole thing melts down the next thing you know it's like doing the deal with the suns is like laguardia it's got to be there's got to be no clouds and everything's got to be crystal clear and then they'll do a deal okay so now we got three different they're really kind of dealing with three different owners right now because they've got an acting governor they got Sarver, who is allowed to 
you know, go thumbs up or thumbs down on trades that are involve a player with more than $10 million salary, which is pretty much everybody when you're talking about Crowder who makes 10 million. And they've got this incoming guy, Matt Ishbia, who is trying to get control of the team before the trade deadline. And even if he doesn't actually have the team with the approval by the trade deadline, if he's like on the one yard line, he might be able to control it. So it's like there's a snowstorm at LaGuardia right now with the Nets trying to make, uh, or the uh, Suns trying to make a deal. At some point, I agree. The, you know, you know what this is like, Spears, because you lived in Denver for a while. Like when it was like a driving snowstorm, and you just you're on the plane, you're just hoping to get out. Yeah. I just want to get out because once you once the wheels go up, everything changes. You're good, yeah. man. And you know yeah. you'll land somewhere with a just say just get the plane in the air, just get the yeah, you know, yeah. They, they put the double dose of the of the um the de-icing fluid. There's de-icing fluid has two colors, um like green and uh i think it's green and like orangish red and you you're know your, your true midwest colors right now like you, you know so when Sally so, kid doesn't know this too well right. you know like they spray the first one on to melt the ice and then they put another layer on yeah. to keep ice from forming as it goes out the runway when they're putting two layers on you are yeah. you are riding on the edge man that sucker yeah. could be canceled anyway. i've been on flights like in cleveland where there's a guy at the end of the runway where after you get the double de-ice, he comes out, he's got a glove on his hand, he takes his glove off and he runs his, puts his hand over his head and he runs his hand down the edge of the wing to make sure no ice is formed on it. One last check before the plane takes off. I've seen that, okay? That's what, that's what the Suns are like. Can yeah, they somehow yeah. get through the double de-ice? I know this doesn't make this analogy makes nothing. People in Phoenix are like, I what the hell it. are you talking about? I understand. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so, but I do think they'll squeeze something out before it's all said and done. But if you're the Warriors, are you afraid of the Nuggets? I don't think you're afraid. You know, you have to be at full power. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Are you I afraid think of the Nuggets? Their key is, go well, go ahead, finish. Are you, no, I'll just ask you, are you afraid of the yeah. Nuggets if you're the Warriors at full power? No. no. Are, you afraid of the, are you afraid of the Grizzlies? Somewhat. I mean, knowing the swagger of those two teams, it would be an awesome series, but they know that they beat they them beat last them. year. But the Grizzlies will say, well, Ja got hurt. Of course. Of yeah. course. Are they afraid of the New Orleans? So that's Pelicans? why I said somewhat. Yeah. Uh, okay, there, there's, fair. there's some healthy fear there. Fair. That's a good answer. Are they afraid of the New Orleans Pelicans? If they're healthy, they should be. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Like, are you as worried about Brandon, like Brandon Ingram, I am worried about Brandon Ingram. So that he's just, he keeps, he's not really making, I don't want to say he's not making He just, he's having, he's not, like he's still not practicing. That's not good. Um, And, you know, they haven't really 100% said. So uh, to answer your question, no. Okay. I'm going to read If Brandon Ingram is is healthy and he's firing in 35 point games. Yeah. All right. Are they afraid but, but of the I, It's not gonna. It can't be Zion and CJ. It has to be the all three of them. I agree. And plus, they could make a trade. Although they've never paid the tax in the history of their organization, they're like within three million of it. Yeah. That Laker pick. They can trade that swap. Um, so I don't know. Well, that's uh, a, and that pick's improving. That's true. Are they afraid of the Dallas Mavericks, who they beat last year in the conference finals? No. Are they afraid of the Sacramento Kings? Respectfully, hell no. 
Right. I mean, with all due respect, I mean, yeah. the Kings are going to have a party just so they get there. Okay. Are they yeah. afraid of the Clippers? No. Potentially, but Potentially. how can you be? Healthy fear. Are they afraid of the Phoenix Suns? Probably if, if they're at full strength, that'd probably be their biggest concern. Okay. So that's what I'm just saying. Like, um, you know, Draymond a couple weeks ago before this homestand was like, you know, we're in a, we're in a mentally fragile place. Yeah. Despite these losses, I'm not sure they still are. Yeah. I like I, this road trip for him. I like the mental challenge that comes with this trip and, and riding the ship here. Um, I don't, I don't know if the Kaminga and Wiseman will be back, but they're, they're, their vets need to get them through this. Like this is a perfect trip to get your confidence back and, and, get things together before the all-star break. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch assist and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. I mean, I, I still think, uh, like, I remember, you know, the Cavs being, when I was covering LeBron, his first time, his first year back when they were 20 and 21 right now. I remember because the day before the game, he flew to Dallas to watch Ohio State win the championship. They were in Phoenix. He flew to Dallas and came back, and they were 20 and 21. and um. It was like, oh my gosh, is the sky falling? And LeBron's like, no, it's not. Uh, I'm. I just got healthy, and we're, yeah. we're going to be okay. I, I think my, this I, is the same case here. I was kind of rolling my eyes because I was like, well, you know, you don't know, but he believed it. Well, that was with like brand new teammates. That was with Kyrie Irving for the first time, and they were rubbing up against each other. That yeah. was Kevin Love for the first time, and they were kind of eyeing each other across the room. Um, they had just traded for you know, J.R. Smith and, and uh, Iman Shumpert. LeBron was like, you know, he's like, don't worry about it. I got, I, we got it. And, I also and even, even with all this poor Warriors play, right? There's still only two and a half games out of the four spot. Right. Right. I mean, obviously, no. if they had won the last three games, yeah, we would feel a lot different about it. But yeah. they're, um, they're, they're, no one's really running away, right? No. As long, no, and I, just, I think the key for any team in the West is this. 
any team that I see has, which is about six teams that have a potential to win it, just don't be in the plan. Just right. get in the top six and figure it and be healthy and figure it out from there. I, right. I I know that the Warriors could care less, even as bad as they've been on the road this season, about playing playoff games on the road. In fact, I think, like, remember when well, they they've went got to that Memphis streak? And, What's the streak of consecutive series where they've won a road playoff game? It's twenty yeah. something. Yeah, they, they, they don't care about that. I think they I like it. I think they play better on the road in the in the playoffs. Not this season, but. I'm, well, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be a little bit more. I'm not going to, you know, say Perk, like Perk said, the sky's falling on him yesterday. But I just, assume, I mean, like, I understand why he's saying that, but like, this I just kind of disagree. But we got to be careful because this ain't football. I try to tell people all the time, like, you can't put so much into one game like this is the NFL or college football, right? This is it's a long, long road. And they still got a half a season left. For sure. Uh, we'll be watching. So you just had a story drop at Anscape today, Wednesday, on Paolo Bancaro, the um, uh, rookie for the number one overall pick for the Magic. Um, a guy who is putting up, you know, I've, we've talked several times about his, some of the things that he's doing from a, uh, from a number standpoint. What, what did you what did you learn about him as you were doing this piece? It's kind of a continuation of what I've been learning about him. I, I saw him in a um, Sweet 16 in Elite Eight in San Francisco. And the thing about him, which kind of reminds me about Duncan in a lot of ways, is what he does isn't going to hit the highlight reel. You know, he's not – he'll dunk on somebody, and that might be it. but he doesn't play loud, but at the end of the game, you're like, whoa, this dude got 24 and eight and five. The thing that is very impressive about him is you ever hear somebody say about a kid like, man, I feel like he lived already, like he's been on this earth already, right? I, The way he plays. Is that old soul? Are you talking about old soul? Yeah, like he, he plays like he's been in the league already. And this is kudos. Well, he definitely to has a confidence like he's been in the league. Yeah, he's, he, he doesn't care about playing against anybody. He doesn't get excited. I mean, he's respectful and he's very intrigued in the history of the game. And he'll ask Mosley about, hey, what was it like coaching Mello in the beginning and uh, this and that. But he credit to like the Jamal Crawford Seattle basketball family when this kid was 15 years old. He walked into the gym with Jamal Crawford for the first time. Kyrie's there, right? Um, he's played against Levine. He's played against DeJounte. He's played against Isaiah Thomas. He's playing against Spencer Hawes at 15 years old. Like he's playing against these pros and seeing that, all right, I could hang with them. And these pros are basically mentoring him. Like the Seattle basketball mafia, you could touch all these guys at any time. And they are so like confident and they, they, they breed basketball players there. Seattle pound for pound might be the best place now. So by the mm -hmm. time he's gotten to the NBA, he's not in all. He's just hooping. And 
people say, well, is he going to get better? Is this as good as he's going to get? I think he's going to get better because this dude watches a ton of film. And typically when he plays somebody, the second time he plays them, he's better. He not only watches his film and his team's film, but he's watching LeBron James film. He's watching Luka Doncic film. He's watching film of stars and like stealing things that they do successfully and implementing it into his own game. And so just, he, he's an amazing student, but he's just um, also extremely mature. You couldn't tell that he's 20. And he also, the, his teammates love him. He, he's not a diva. He like, uh, you know, um, Terrence Ross was giving him, messing with him in the locker room in a way that I never saw Melo get messed with when Melo was a rookie. Like Melo walked in the gym and like, I'm Melo. And everybody kind of, even the Camby and all them kind of like, oh, okay. They accepted it, right? That didn't happen with LeBron, by the way. LeBron got, um, I don't know, maybe bullied isn't the right word, but he was not super duper welcomed when he first got there. But I'll tell you this, which is interesting about Melo. Uh, I'll never forget this, Brian. And to, so your first year was what? Oh, three, oh, four. Could you watch practice then? Much more. I mean, we got to see summer practice, not well, the whole that, thing. At that time, it depended on the coach, but at that time, I still could like watch the whole practice, right? And I, I remember Jeff Bazdelic was a coach. Shout out to Jeff Bazdelic. I, I miss him. Uh, Mello comes into practice, and it was um, a young. There was a somebody's birthday, right? And Junior Harrington's birthday. Um, Junior he had, Harrington. He, yeah, he had it like I, I found that name. Shout out to Junior Harrington. He had a cup of coffee in the NBA. And so Camby goes, All right, Rooks, I need y'all to sing happy birthday to Junior Harrington. And I was like, I ain't singing. And I was like, Oh, Rooks about to get it. He's about <laughs> to get it. And he goes, I'll beatbox, but I ain't singing. So I'm looking at these vets. I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be a problem. And nobody said a word. So all the other rookies are singing. I forgot who the rooks were at the time. And Mello's over there. <laughs> Doing the beat for happy birthday. <laughs> and I'm like, he, he owns the team now. <laughs> right. You know, but I think Van Carroll been like this. I'll just sing happy birthday, man. Cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, so um, without oh, giving I'm away. Sorry. I was told last night by somebody that is Italian that we need to call him Bonchero. And he said the, the CH is like cherry. And he said he asked, it was a security guard at Chase. He said he asked Paolo that. And he said, yes, that is the correct pronunciation. So it's, like Cherry Ben Cheryl. So I'm going to stop calling him Ben Carroll as I've done just the last 10 minutes. Well, the way it was, it was told to me, like the um, pronunciation that was given to me when he was a Duke was C-A-R-E in the middle, Ben Carroll. But I'm prepared to say, told. I'll be glad to say Blanchero because that sounds better to me. Yeah. Blanchero looks like the way it's spelled. Like, I think we, I need to get it confirmed, but. All right. The you security guard said, Paolo told him it's 
Banchero, which I think sounds cooler. I do. I, let's 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 I'll I'll sign you to that. Um, so his so he got off to an incredible start offensively. Um, was shooting the ball really really well the first six weeks of the season. The last month or so, his efficiency has gone backwards. I remember being just like blown away by like mid to late November. I was like, this dude's shooting 48% and getting to the line like eight times a game that uh, has leveled off. And I, you know, I'll just be honest with you. I'm not watching enough magic basketball to be able to explain to you why that's happened. Maybe there's a real reason. Yeah. uh, He told me he hit the, hit the wall last month, the rookie wall. And if you think about it now, the magic have played, not that he's played in every game, but they still they played more games than he played at Duke. Yeah. And yeah. so for a guy that just turned 20 on November 11th or 12th, I believe, November 12th, that's a lot, man. It's still, he's, yes. even though he's a, this, this man child, it's still a lot of games. And he said he just he hit the wall in December. He got tired. And they had like a, I think a break between like December 23rd and 27, where he kind of finally got to take a breath, turn it off, spent Christmas by himself, FaceTime his family. Um, wow. Yeah. That's and then nice. after that, he, he's like, all right, I'm cool. But okay. Well, that's, said, that's really said, good. He said in de- yeah. December, it hit him hard. And so he that's, was inter- like, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I looked up his his splits. He he shot forty eight percent in November. He shot forty percent in December. Not that that's a vast difference, but it's yeah. a, it's it's difference between being like, well, that's really impressive to being like, yeah. And in the last five games, he's back up to forty four percent. Yeah, after um, December twenty seventh, right? It's kind of risen. That's about right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he he said he was he said it it was hard to like understand why all of a sudden he was tired mentally and physically but i think he realized like yeah his his rookie wall because he was doing so much so fast he's not your typical rookie that's playing eight minutes or 15 minutes if they're lucky like he's he's the man right so and and it and it hit him hard but i think he's good now like you got to remember like his numbers if you look at them are similar to lebron's rookie year they're similar to Melo's rookie year they're similar to luca's rookie year like it's really impressive. And I think when you look at Luca's game, right, one might say, like, okay, he's not going to get more athletic, right, when he was a rookie. I mean, is he going to get any better than he is now? And look look what he's become. And yeah, the way I, I, I see Ben Cheryl doing the same thing and the way he studies the game, he's going to figure out a way to make the game even easier for him than it already is. So I I see him. I, I think that th- if, if there is one thing where I like to see him be stronger because he's so big and strong is like a better, even a better rebounder than he is. Like eight to 12 a game, like st- stay in that range. Like I think there's, if you want to nitpick, maybe there's too many six rebound games and five rebound mm-hmm. games for, for somebody of that size. And I, I, can't, I don't know him. I've never really spent time talking to him. I, I'm hoping to. At all-star weekend that's one of the times i get to spend yeah. time with rookies it's a great thing that i get to do every make year. sure you 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 get some time with him you know i did last it. year I got, it's now uh we've we've been getting to talk to g league guys like last year is where i met marjan beauchamp 
uh, yeah. from, uh, I remember you and I talking about, we both met him and I remember being in Cleveland last year and you and I, now he's, you know, he's in the rotation for the bucks. Yeah. He's got, a, by the way, another Washington guy, not really from Seattle, but from, you know, they, but they count him. He's in, he's in that crew. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think he, he played a little high school basketball in Seattle. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I look forward to talking. I don't really know his, I don't really know him well or anything. I mean, I've got oh, man, to you gotta, interviews. You got to read his story. Well, no, Beauchamp, I know his story. Oh, he told okay. oh you're talking about. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Blanchero. I'm relearning yeah. to say Blanchero. I hope Blanchero. we're not going to be told that this is totally wrong. But in the interviews that I have watched with him, I like his temperament. You know? Um, Old soul, man. Yeah. Old soul. So, just, just uh, well, he's here. He's right here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, check out uh, that story on Anscape Spears just wrote. Uh, we got uh, Nick Friedel coming up here in a second. Uh, talk to us about the Nets, uh, how they're going to handle Kevin Durant's injury. But uh, thank you, Spears, for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Okay, now we've got Nick Friedel joining us from New York. Hey, Nick, what's up? B, how are you, my man? Good. Um, Another year, another Kevin Durant injury to deal with for the Nets. So I was looking at this. Last year when Durant uh, suffered an MCL sprain to, I believe last year was his left knee, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this year it's his right knee. And it's crazy. This is the third time he's had this injury and it wasn't exactly the same, but basically three different times guys have landed on his leg. Um, it happened in Washington when he was a member of the Warriors. I remember that vividly. Then last year it happened. It was almost the exact same injury. And then Jimmy Butler last week, uh, falls into his right knee. This one doesn't look quite as bad, right, as last year? It When you watch the replay, you start to wonder. It, it felt the same, but you could tell pretty quickly after that game, B, going in to the locker room, listening to Jacques Vaughn and Kyrie Irving, they didn't get the sense, and nobody knew for sure until they saw the MRI, but they didn't get the sense that, this one was going to completely derail Kevin's season because he was up and moving around in the locker room. He was he was giving everybody congratulations for the win. So yeah. the hope, and I know Woj reported this, is that it'll be around a month or so. 
but there is for this Nets group some muscle memory because like you said it was the other knee last year but it was six weeks when Zaza fell into him in 2017 with the Warriors it was around six seven weeks so there is hope for now that this one isn't as bad and that they will see him soon okay so last year it was almost the exact same point in the calendar last year the Nets were 27 and 15 when Durant got hurt um I think they were second place in the east just like they are now he missed 21 games they had an 11 game losing streak and when he came I think they were five and 16 in the games he missed now (laughs) Nick that was a traumatic period because you may remember that that was in there where James Harden basically, I mean, you remember the West coast trip where James Harden basically, I, I don't, I mean, I, what, what word do you want to describe as to what happened on that, on that trip um, with James Harden? Um, he, he quit stopped wanting to be a net. Okay. Yeah, I he, didn't he, want to say it. I was gonna let you say it. Well, that, that um, was the feeling inside that, that was very much. Hey, he quit on the group. I remember okay. it. I remember you said you remember the first injury vividly. We're sitting in Sacramento and Harden just looked disconnected. I mean, we could say he disconnected from, uh, from the Nets at that point in time. And as a brief, quick aside, this is one of my favorite stories of, of an NBA BP. That game I will forever remember because Steve Nash was late getting to the, the post-game press conference room. We were like, where the hell is Nash? Nash usually the whistle blows. At the That's end. right. You gotta you gotta get on your horse to get there to talk. And to and Nash right. is down there. We're like, where is Nash? Because we want to talk to Harden. Harden had like four points. I mean, he would he was he was gone. Nash was late beat because Coolio, R.I.P., was oh. telling Nash that the Nets needed to hire him to perform at halftime because every time <laughs> he performs at halftime, the home team wins. The Kings won that that night. So this quote goes into the the NBA social media verse, and somebody goes back and looks at all the times that Julio has performed for all these different teams of the years. And I feel like the record was like like five and seven or something in, in the last <laughs> few seasons. But Nash was the like, he's like, yeah, man, yeah, man. Uh, you know, it's great to see you. And the world is coming to an end for the Nets because soon thereafter, uh, (laughs) uh, Harden was gone. Kyrie was still only playing in the road games. But Nash and Coolio had their moment after that game where where James Harden disconnected. Yeah, well, definitely RIP Coolio. I know you're a Coolio fan. I've seen you in action when at those uh, (laughs) those Coolio performances. you know, I don't know if I were Steve Nash, maybe I would have wanted like it would have been like someone to come up and talk to him about, you know, Premier League football, like, you know, anything to distract him from <laughs> the, the task at hand. Um, yeah. And obviously that was when Kyrie was playing only uh, road games. Uh, Joe Harris was out for the year at that. Well, we didn't know for the year, but he never came back. He had a second surgery. You know, they traded for Ben Simmons and then Ben Simmons couldn't play. I remember I went to the first game Ben Simmons was supposed to play. And then um, they were like, yeah, he's still day to day. And then he never came back. Um, so, like, it, I, it's not comparable. However, I remember two years ago, 
Durant had a hamstring injury late in the year, and that totally derailed the Nets. So, like, look, he's one of the top uh, five-ish players in the league. I mean, I would say he's definitely top five. I mean, I'm a huge admirer of his game. Um, so you lose a player like that, you're going to have a, uh, a setback. The question really here, Nick, and the reason I wanted to talk to you today, in theory, the Nets should be much better prepared to handle this absence, uh, even if it's less than 21 games. Um, do you agree with that? And, and, and what do you think, what is your, they, they do get a, a semi, I don't know if I want to call it a break, but it, they don't play. They have a, a little like four day break here. Is it a four day break or something? So they, in theory could like go over some more things offensively because don't you think offensively is where they're going to have the big challenge? No question. No question. And you've got to believe it's guys like TJ Warren B. Joe Harris will play. You would think a few more minutes in Kevin's absence, but I do think they are better equipped to handle that loss this season. First and foremost is because Kyrie's playing all the time. And when he's been on the floor since he returned from his suspension, he has been very, very good. The only thing that scares you in that sense is the Nets have played a lot of close games as they've been rattling off as we tape this 18 of their last 20 uh, wins. At the end of games, it was a lot of back and forth between Kevin and Kyrie. You take this shot. Okay, you took the last one. I'll take this one. And they were just kind of going back and forth with each other. Kyrie said it after that Miami game, after Kevin got hurt. It's got to be everybody now. But it's easier said than done when you're losing a guy like Kevin Durant. The issue to me is, and I asked Joe Harris this, right after that game, where do you, you miss Kevin everywhere. Where do you miss him most? What was fascinating? He didn't point out the scoring. He pointed out the defense. And this has been a, a consistent theme throughout the season. Kevin has been awesome defensively. It's like he checked back in, not that he was ever a poor defender, but after the summer and certainly once Kyrie went out and came back, he's been really, really good. And that is going to be an issue Uh, for them as they kind of find their way over the next few weeks in that who steps up more and on top of the offense the name I would throw back at you is Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons has been able to kind of fall in the shadows without Kevin and Kyrie or, or playing with Kevin and Kyrie he doesn't need to do all the things that we were used to seeing him do in Philly he's still knocking off the rust from his game for a year and a half B You take Kevin out, Simmons is going to have to do more defensively, and he's going to at least have to help push the offense, even if he's not scoring 10 or 12 points a game. I don't know if at this stage in his comeback he's ready for that, but that's where a lot of the spotlight's going to be to me over the next month. Yeah, so you mentioned T.J. Warren. Well, yeah, I mean, first off, Simmons – does I mean everyone wants to respect his process, but at the end of the day, he they he is a star player. He is paid like a star player, and I understand that the back injury is serious, and I'm not expecting him to come out and average 20. But at some point, he does need to be able to provide more, um, and that would have been true even if the team was healthy, right. right? I mean, and so it's possible that this you know, is a catalyst to try to have him do that. And that's definitely something I think you're going to be probably be watching and talking about in this next couple of weeks. 
You did mention TJ Warren. This is a guy that nobody knew what to expect from. He had missed essentially two years with foot injuries. So he's played 16 games. He's averaged 10 points in those 16 games, which is a good help for them. He's shot the ball well. Um, they're playing him 20 minutes a game. He doesn't exactly play like Durant, but he plays the forward role. And so those minutes, you know, those 30 some minutes that uh, Durant um, uh, was playing, I mean, you know, there's minutes there for TJ Warren. Um, based on what you've seen from him, do you think he can handle, um, you know, a, a minute boost, whether keeping an eye on protecting the, uh, that foot? I do, but that is very much part of the conversation with Warren. It's not, can he physically score a few more points or can he play defense at an even higher level? I mean, he's proven throughout his career when, when he has been healthy, he can play at a very, very high level. B, Jacques Vaughn said flatly, there was a game a few weeks back, T.J. Warren played like 35 minutes. And Jacques said after the game, we don't want him playing that much. We, right. we want to make sure that his foot is coming along at a, at a solid pace and he's feeling fine. Now, up to this point, everything's been good. But I just don't get the sense in listening to what Vaughn has been saying throughout the year that they're going to say, okay, TJ, we're going to ramp you up and we're going to ramp you up from 20 or so minutes to 30 plus. So that would mean that somebody else, maybe it's Harris, we'll see what happens over the next week here as they figure out the new rotation constructions. But Warren can do it. He has the trust of the group in doing it. You just wonder how how slow they're going to be to, to ramp up that process over the next month. Yeah. I mean, they have to play the long game ultimately. And, and they, they've played so well for the last, you know, six, eight weeks that they have built themselves in a cushion. Mm-hmm. Um, they've earned, they've earned a little bit of this and, you know, you had to figure that they're, you know, they were fully healthy for the first time, like ever um, you had to figure that wasn't going to last. So um, let me ask you a little bit about Seth Curry. So Seth Curry, after the trade last year, um, when he came in, was a real boost to the Nets. Um, he had a bigger role then. You know, this year, because of the uh, reinforcements that they have and the way they've played, and he was coming off off-season ankle surgery, missed a bunch of time, he hasn't quite been the same contributor. Um, he's his scoring is down. He's he's scoring is down about six points a game from where it was with uh, after the trade last year. Um, he's just taking fewer shots. His minutes are down. His minutes are down a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. When I look at it, last year he averaged thirty minutes as a starter. This year he's been exclusively off the bench, and he's averaging twenty-one minutes, so nine fewer minutes a game. He had a good showing um, in the game uh, uh, over the weekend. Where, uh, where where Kevin got hurt in, he's also going to be a free agent. He is highly incentivized to have a strong season, and you know it. it, it his stats are down again because he's lost playing time. He doesn't play the same position, but again, I do think they're going to need scoring and they're going to need, um, you know, play off the ball off Kyrie. You know, to 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 uh, when Kyrie attracts attention. You know, to me, this is the green light for Seth Curry, assuming he feels good with that ankle, to go for it, to really establish himself. The shots are going to be there. The minutes, I assume, are going to be there. To me, this is a guy that if you're looking um, 
to step forward, I, I kind of think like he's the guy. They're hoping that he can be that guy. What I would say for anybody who hasn't watched Seth a lot this season, when you watch that first month, that ankle just seemed to be bothering him. It was like he couldn't find his rhythm because he was still adjusting to how he was feeling in post-surgery, how it was feeling day-to-day. I remember talking to him not only in the preseason, but early in the regular season, I would say, how's it going? And he's like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and, and, and go out there and just give it everything I've got. I'd say, uh, I, yeah. I think in the last few weeks, he has gotten more comfortable, certainly, with where he is now physically, and that ankle has started to respond more. But like you said, last year they really needed him all the time. This year, here's Royce O'Neal. Uh, another guy we haven't mentioned yet, Yuta Watanabe, who, to his credit, uh, is knocking down like every corner three in the world. But also, he's been great. He's been, he's been awesome. absolutely great this season for them. <laughs> he's been yeah. awesome. But B, uh, Yuta is the first one to say, hey, I'm getting all these shots because I play with Kevin Durant. Right. That's true. <laughs> Which is very true, but he's taking advantage of it. But as far as Seth goes, now's his time. And the, the, contract that's upcoming this summer is a really good point because now is his moment to say, Hey, I can still shoot the hell out of the ball. I'll be there when they need me, but he's got to go out and produce, especially in this moment in time where they're going to need that offense without Kevin. Yeah. You know, I was really looking forward to Thursday's game, which um, the Celtics are coming into Brooklyn. Um, when the when this streak really got going for the Nets was when they had that long homestand uh, back in was it early December, Nick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the only team they didn't beat that homestand was Boston. You know, Boston kind of came in. That was when they're absolutely at the peak of their powers, and now they're starting to get rolling a little bit again after that bad West Coast trip. Um, I was really looking forward to that. But when you look ahead at the schedule, you know, last year it happened. The injury happened right before the Nets went on that West Coast trip, which is where Durant or, uh, or Harden basically in- indicated he was done playing in Brooklyn. You know, team schedules are cyclical. Guess what? Guess what's coming? Uh, a long West Coast trip. Uh, well, not that long, but, you know, uh, they have what is a five-game trip coming up starting next week. Yeah. And, 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 and they were getting demolished in those games. I think we should point yeah. that out, too. Those games uh, last season, so many of them weren't close when Kevin went out. And part of it was Harden was so frustrated that Kyrie wasn't going to get the vaccination shot. I mean, going back through time, we were just sitting in Chicago like a week ago because, as you said, the the schedules are cyclical. Chicago was the game where the three main stars played together and they demolished, just crushed the Bulls. Chicago was also the game after that game B where James Harden at the end of his press conference, he's saying in this press conference, hey, we know what we are. We're that good. We can beat anybody. He gets up and he goes, man, I'm going to give Kyrie the shot myself. And we were all like, oh, <laughs> my gosh. Wow, did he just say that? Yes. So over the next couple of weeks from everybody's healthy and we are kicking everybody's ass to, eh, I don't think I want to be here anymore. Kevin's hurt. Kyrie only plays half the time. I'm out. Things can change very quickly in the league. But if you're a Nets fan, you have to take solace in the fact that they've won a bunch of games. The roster is built differently now than it was a year ago. 
And they've got Kyrie all the time. And you would think in some of those games where it's tight, he can be that difference maker now. I, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the thing about Kyrie is um, it, consistency is an issue, not just in his consistency and showing, you know, the investment in what's going on. You know, consistent sometimes on the court, he's a little inconsistent. You know, he's not, he's never been a top, man, I don't, I want to think about it. He's never really been a super ultra elite player. You know, he's never been a first team all NBA guy. I think he might've made second team all NBA once part of that is because he gets injured. And part of it is, is that he does go through periods where he's not able to impact the game. Um, so, but also he goes through periods where he's just gets scalding hot. So they need that right now. I think if I remember right, Nick, the three of them last year, Harden, Durant, and Irving played together two games. Yeah, it, it wasn't a lot. Does that sound right? It, it was because remember, right after Kyrie, right after they, right after they decided to have let Kyrie back, he immediately got COVID. Yeah, and then there was like a rolling COVID on the team, and then it was like only like a week where they had like two road games in between him coming back, being healthy, and then Durant getting hurt. It was and the Indiana one of them, game last year, the first time right. they all played together. Then remember they had that makeup game in Portland. They had the strangest back-to-back in NBA yes. history. Yes. They played at home against San Antonio. Flew yeah, but they Portland. didn't send ev- right. They didn't even send everybody to that game. Well, they Harden was supposed to play, B, and then Harden was like, I- I- he had like a-, a knee issue, and he's in the he's in the press room with a bag of popcorn watching part of uh, George Alabama. <laughs> so <laughs> so you're like, ah, okay, well, I guess. Uh, He's not feeling great tonight, but but you're right. It, it was it was twice because it was Indy and that Chicago game where Harden yeah. declared that he was going to give Kyrie the vaccination shot. Here's the uh, here's the schedule for the Nets coming up. So I mentioned the Celtics on Thursday, then Sunday, and then I get another couple of days off. Like they do get a little break here in terms of off time. I will say that. Yeah. Um, then they don't play till Sunday against the Thunder at home, which the Thunder is no gimme. I think it's very clearly. Um, then they leave for their big road trip at San Antonio. You'd like to think you could take that one, but I mean, I don't know what's going to happen um, at Phoenix, who is going by hour to hour uh, right now. We talked about them a little earlier here uh, with the big win last night in San Francisco. Then at Utah on a tough back-to-back. I mean, the Jazz have been up and down, but I'm going to tell you a back-to-back in Utah over the um, decades of history where a team, especially an Eastern team, comes off um, the West Coast and has to play either in Denver or Utah on the second night of a back-to-back. Not good. Even when the Jazz don't have good teams, they do very well in those games. Um, And then they go back to the West Coast to play at uh, the Warriors. Um, That's going to be, you know, no gimme. Um, And then they close the road trip in Philadelphia, a very strange road trip where you play another East game on the way back. Um, They get to go home between San Francisco and Philly. So right. in theory, they, they have a couple of days in their own place, maybe a practice. 
Uh, but B, this is another point to uh, moment to point out. Jack Vaughn, up to this point, has just done away essentially with practices and shoot arounds. They've got a handful of practices, and certainly the younger guys are coming in and getting shots, and and older guys are getting treatment or watching tape, whatever they're doing on off days. But Vaughn, as far as team activities that most other teams in the league would have, he's listened to what his players are saying, and he's like, all right, I just want you to focus when you've got your 30 minutes on the floor. And they may have a walkthrough before a game, but this team does not really practice, and they do not really shoot around. And you wonder as they go on this trip, especially without Kevin learning where they need to be, if that will get altered a little bit because of the circumstances in front of them. Well, yeah, I mean, look, whatever Jock's been doing, it's been working. The team has been playing great. Um, I would, you know, not being uh, the coach on the coaching staff, I don't know. My guess would be they would want to have a little bit of a time to sort of an, either install some new stuff or go over some new stuff um, uh, just offensively. Um, but I mean, maybe I'm a little guilty here of not thinking as much about the defensive end because I have continued to talk about how their level on defense really determines their wins and losses. And their level on defense has been vastly improved, partially because of uh, Nick Claxton. But part of the reason their interior defense has been so good is because it's been the combination of Durant and Claxton. Yep. protecting in there. So I keep talking about offense here because you just naturally default to that when you lose one of the best scores in the history of the game, one of the best, you know, guy having one of the best scoring seasons of his career, you naturally think about that, but you know, maybe part of the, maybe part of the things they're going to have to look at is, you know, how they, you know, for sure how he's going to do his rotations and figure out because the Nets' big problem is size. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's been, there's been some wonder about whether the Nets could use either Curry or Harris um, in a trade. They do have some um, flexibility on their draft picks. I mean, they 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 could do something. Um, and you know, Josiah has shown that he's willing to spend. I'm not sure that you make a trade right now just to help with Durant. I think in general they need a trade for or they need to acquire another big man. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that was true before this injury. I'm not sure you change course based on, on what happens here, but I do think that their already fragile big man rotation just got knocked down one. And so that could be a, something to watch as well. Completely. And again, if you haven't been watching the Nets, even in this last stretch, Nick Claxton has been really, really good. He's blocking everything in sight. He's developed in his own game to a point where they trust him to be on the floor even more. But B, I think that's a really important point as we look at the next month, at least without Kevin. If Claxton gets into any kind of other foul trouble, you're in deep, deep trouble. You can try Simmons. They've tried him a little bit with the small ball five, and that may work a little bit. But And and I'd take Claxton into this conversation as well. Claxton and Simmons – do not want to go to the foul line, especially Simmons. So what happens in these close games, and we're going to see this a lot more heading into the postseason, but what happens in these close games when Vaughn's trying to set up his rotations? How do you play both of those guys? Claxton just is struggling at the line. Simmons just doesn't want to go, period. I mean, he's taken a handful of free throws in the last month. So 
that is a serious issue now when you take Kevin's size and length off the defensive end on top of what we all know he gives them offensively. Yeah, well, the Nets um, have been one of the most fascinating stories for the last 12 months. And while the drama off the court has calmed down, we now have a little bit of drama on it. So, so Nick, I hope you enjoyed your little period of respite and get ready for uh, some more. That's uh, that's that's what you live for. <laughs> so, and uh, you've got to go over to um, one of their rare little uh, workouts right now. So you got to go. <laughs> it's but, good to uh, hear your voice, buddy. Uh, thanks I for coming on. To, uh, I can't wait to share what happens on this road trip. <laughs> yeah, good. Who knows what's going to go on on that trip? All right. Thank you to Nick. Thank you to our producer Jackson. Thanks everybody for listening to the Hoop Collective. We will talk to you with the Tims on Friday. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash hoop.